The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It's been uh, quite an interesting uh, week for Sheila Copps. You might not have heard the name in quite some time. She, of course, as you just mentioned, was the former uh, Deputy Premier. I believe that would have Deputy been under... Deputy Prime Minister. Deputy, sorry, Prime Minister. That would have been under Kretchen, I'm guessing. Yep. I, um, always an outspoken uh, woman from a politically... Uh, uh, from a politically based... Um, family in Hamilton. Uh, her father, of course, was the mayor of Hamilton back in the day. I've uh, had the opportunity to perform at the Cops Center, so that's my only connection. Uh, but as you mentioned, it's been an interesting day. Gerald Butts, uh, the former principal secretary to PM Trudeau, finished testifying now before the House of Commons Justice Committee about allegations he inappropriately pressured former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould to prevent SNC-Lavalin from being prosecuted in a bribery case. He began his testimony like this. I am not here to quarrel with the former Attorney General or to say a single negative word about her personally. What I am here to do is to give evidence that what happened last fall is in fact very different from the version of events you heard last week. It is based on direct communications with the former Attorney General and her staff, contemporaneous notes I took in meetings I attended personally, and debriefs from people who attended meetings I did not. I want to make three important points. First. Everyone working on this file knew that the decision to direct the DPP to enter into negotiations toward a remediation agreement was the Attorney General's to make and the Attorney General's alone. We also knew that that decision, whatever it was, would have a real impact on thousands of people and we took our responsibility to these people seriously. Second, I will provide you with detailed evidence that the January cabinet shuffle had nothing whatsoever to do with SNC-Lavalin. Third, this is a story of two people who hold high office, the Prime Minister and the former Attorney General, both of whom did their jobs to the best of their abilities, as did their respective staff. However, a breakdown in the trust that held the relationship together occurred, and as the point person in PMO for the Attorney General, I take responsibility for that breakdown. Gerald Butts testifying this morning. Now, much of that testimony contradicted that of Jody Wilson-Raybould. We're joined now by former Canadian Deputy Prime Minister Sheila Copps, who's also been critical of the former Attorney General's handling of the SNC-Lavalin file and the subsequent resignations of Raybould and ex-Treasury Board President Jane Philpott. Ms. Copps, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Appreciate your time. Thanks for inviting me. Now, first off, uh, do you believe that uh, Mr. Butt's testimony repairs any of the damage that has been, uh, you know, built up over the past couple of weeks? Well, he did bring some new information, which was quite relevant, because um, in the case of the cabinet shuffle, we didn't know that Ms. Uh, Wilson-Raybould had actually been offered uh, the position of Ministry of, of mm-hmm. uh, Indigenous Affairs and turned it down. So it's interesting only because, obviously, in trying to fill um, the hole left by Scott Bryson, moving Jane Philpott um, meant that we needed a strong person in Indigenous because they were working together. So they're both gone. She chose to go to DVA, Department of Veterans Affairs, instead of Indigenous, which is kind of odd considering her first priority, obviously, is in actually um, helping Indigenous people. Well, it's an interesting point for sure, but it's a distraction from the topic at hand, though. No, is it's it not, not a distraction because she alleged that she was um, 
fired from the job of Attorney General because of her position on SNC-Lavalin. I see. So you're saying the more important role for her, as far as uh, our Prime Minister was concerned, was the other file, was the other portfolio. Well, I think what, they, what, what Gerald Butts said, and, and I understand, as you know, there are regional considerations, there are gender considerations in making a cabinet. And when Scott Bryson left, the number two in that job had been Jane Philpott, but Jane Philpott had also been doing all the work on uh, boil water advisories and the medical health of Indigenous peoples. So when, she, when they took Jane Philpott out of that role, they believe that it would strengthen uh, the Indigenous file if Jody Wilson-Raybould took it over. And she refused. And then, Well, she had refused, and, and Butts had said yes, today that it was based on the fact that she couldn't um, implement uh, the Indian Act, something that she'd been fighting against her entire life. Well, she didn't have to implement the Indian Act. That's absolute crap. I'm sorry, but when you're the minister, you can throw out the Indian Act. You can do a lot of things. She didn't take the job, and she chose to go to deep. She wasn't given the opportunity. She told the prime minister's office, according to Gerald Butts, that she would not take that job. And he went back to the prime minister and said, look, you cannot allow mm -hmm. ministers to start dictating who gets what job in cabinet. So if she refuses the job of Indigenous Affairs, it doesn't mean she's automatically going to stay as Attorney General. Let me ask you a question based on what you just said. It's, uh, it just jumped out at me. You said just a moment ago that when you're the minister, you can do whatever you want, or worse yes, to that can. effect. But it, does that not uh, extend to the Attorney General's uh, position then? You cannot uh, not agree to... Uh, uh, to this, uh, whatever it's called, PDA oh, or the deferred prosecution deferred agreement. prosecution agreement. So yes, she could she could say no, which she did. But I think the, yes, but the, she actually received a meeting with the prime minister and made her decision against a deferred prosecution agreement before she even met with him. Within about two days of receiving her note from, and she refused to tell the committee who she consulted with when she made her decision. So. Yes, she can do all of those things. But the bottom line is her allegation, and what started this whole uh, tr train wreck, was the claim in the newspaper of the Globe and Mail that she was dumped from that job because she refused to buckle under on SNC-Lavalin. And then we find out today she was actually offered um, a very important job of Indian Affairs, and she refused that job, even though her stated purpose for going into Parliament is to actually get rid of the Indian Act and fix all that. So why would she not take that job? Do you know there's many places... No sense, and I know, I mean... Lots there's of there's lots of places, and I'm sorry to interrupt, I'd like to go with what you've just said, not where I had intended to go, but I have to yeah. tell you that just as a Canadian, not as a member of the media, yeah. this feels like a distraction to me. It feels like the issue at hand is whether or not the Prime Minister interfered or any members of his office interfered with a decision made by the Attorney General, and now we're discussing whether or not the former Attorney General wanted to take a particular post. No, he, she said to the committee, and the leaks to the Globe and Mail alleged that she was dumped from her position as Attorney General because she wouldn't buckle under on SNC-Lavalin. And that was categorically refuted today by Gerald Butts. And how come nobody knows that she was actually offered this position? That would have been relevant in her testimony. Whether it's, what, I can understand you saying that it's a distraction, but if you go back to her testimony, she has alleged from the beginning that um, there was, um, the whole matter revolves around her 
not buckling under, and that's why she lost her job as Attorney General. This is what started the whole ball rolling. Okay, well, let me ask you this then. We wouldn't be in this discussion, and there was no deferred prosecution agreement. Gotcha. Let me ask you this question instead then. You've said recently in an interview with Global television that uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott simply lacked the experience necessary for politics. So can we uh, interpret from that that the Prime Minister made a mistake in appointing them to those high-profile positions? I think what I said in the interview was that they came from very high-profile jobs, highly recommended, very sought-after cabinet ministers, but they had not done the heavy lifting of actually getting to government. And when you do the heavy lifting getting to government, you learn quite quickly that politics is actually about making compromises and making things work with colleagues and making sure that before you make any decision that you do a lot of consultation. If you're sitting in the, um, in the private sector and you're the president of a company, you make a decision, you do it. That's not how it works in politics. And they had tremendous experience and background in their fields but they had zero political experience before they went into cabinet. And I think, I mean, when I heard Jody Wilson-Raybould complaining because she had to take 11 meetings, I said, oh, my God, I am on a given file, a copyright file. I had 89 lobbyists attached to it and took about 150 meetings. 11 meetings is nothing. Yeah, we heard pressure, then maybe she shouldn't be in the job. Yeah, we had heard uh, Gerald Butts talk about the number of meetings for different things like NAFTA and, and whatnot yeah. today, TMX. Yeah, that was an uh, interesting insight, kind of pull back a little bit of the curtain. Uh, we're joined this afternoon by uh, former Canadian Deputy Prime Minister Sheila Copps. Ms. Copps, a uh, question for you. Is the responsibility of caucus members and specifically cabinet ministers to simply toe the company line? In, and is that what you're doing right now as well i have no company i'm free and clear and i have been a free and clear citizen able to speak my mind for 14 years i'm not towing the company line i'm understanding that in a parliamentary system if you don't have confidence in your leader you don't sit in the caucus it's a parliamentary system where you're part of a team you're not an individual rogue minister going out putting out statements you don't have confidence in the prime minister but yet you want to run in his party in the next election with him as the leader. How can you run as a part in the party of a leader who you have no confidence in? Okay, so... We've been debating this. Yeah, we've We've been been debating debating this quite a bit over the last week. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, No offense intended, and that's a horrible way to set up a question, but um, (laughs) your experience... Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, not yet. Your your experience in politics, uh, and, and, you know, as I described off the top before we had... I'm old. I know you're going to tell me I'm old. Well, (laughs) what I'm going to ask is this, that when you look at what happened... I know. When you look at what... I'm old, too, so we're okay. Uh, When you look at what happened in Alberta and at NDP uh, government-elect, and to some extent, I think, when you look at a Liberal party elected federally, that there's a movement among younger voters, uh, specifically millennials, who want a more open and transparent government, and that they don't want to hear that business is done uh, same old, same old, that, uh, you know, you tow the company line, you you be a team member. You don't, you don't tow the company line. But you, you've suggested, though, ma'am, you've suggested, then I'll let you answer. You've no, suggested that... Okay, but when you're a minister, you should do as your prime minister tells you. No, no, not at all. You get an opportunity. She was sitting on some of the greatest changes in Indigenous uh, uh, sentencing in the history of the country. She issued a directive to all Crown prosecutors, federal Crown prosecutors across the country to change the way they sentence Indigenous people. She was making change. You have that opportunity as a minister, but you are also part of a bigger group. 
And I think the thing that, that maybe Jody Wilson-Raybould was missing was when you are the justice minister, you do have, and as a prosecutor, she has a duty to consult, and she consulted no one except herself. So you're saying that her lack of experience in politics, you mentioned heavy lifting a moment ago to get there, that would have taught her how this works. Is that fair? I, well, I think it, you, you did mention it and reference the millennials, and Peter Danolo was on the air, who used to be the director of communications for Kretchen. I saw him on TV last night. He had a great line. He said, politics is like sex. Every generation thinks they're going to find a new position. It's <laughs> <laughs> the same old stuff. <laughs> and I think that encapsulates it. Because the reality is that when you come in, you're an idealist, and you want to do things. Then you realize nobody ever gets everything that they want, so you've got to put a little water in your wine. And I think, especially in the case of Jody Wilson-Raybould, she was not willing to put any water in her wine. And you cannot survive in a collegial system when you're willing to talk listen to no one and hear nobody's points of view before you make your decision. She actually testified last week that she made her decision before she would take a meeting with the Prime Minister. Hmm. So I have to ask, uh, listen, I, I could keep you all day. Uh, I, I have to ask, when you describe... Like the next one, eh? Yeah, yeah I really did, good. honestly. I really did. I wish I'd written it. I love it. that line. Yeah. <laughs> like, what did the 40-year-olds come Well, with? exactly. <laughs> Lock the door. Sex in the 60s is yeah. good, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to ask, when you talk about, um, you know, when we're talking about the experience or credibility of ministers, and you mentioned a moment ago that they haven't done the heavy lifting, uh, could you, just for fun, tell me what heavy lifting Justin Trudeau did before becoming prime minister well he actually ran he, the liberal party didn't want him as a candidate they put three candidates up against him he then had to beat uh, win in a, in a riding against the vice president of the bloc quebecois <laughs> he toiled in his riding as an ordinary mp for about for two elections before he uh, decided to uh, throw his hat into the ring so he had eight years of experience in opposition which means a lot that means an awful lot that being said, I think he's, he is suffering now from the fact that in the, I think in his very successful leadership uh, uh, and, and election race, he's reached out to non-traditional candidates in an effort to have a broader base. But you also need some people around the table who know how to get out of, who know how to manage crises. This crisis is entirely of the Liberal Party's making. So what do you think? Nobody started it. It's an internal fight. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so you're right. What that do you shows that some of those people aren't managing as well as they should, and maybe they need some old, uh, <laughs> old advisors around the table who've lived through crises and gotten out of them. So that's what I was going to ask you. What do you suggest the Prime Minister do now, Ms. Cops? Well, I think uh, I think I I believe he should. Uh, accept the resignations from caucus of the two members who've publicly said that they have no confidence in his leadership. I don't think he can continue to play nicey-nicey. And I understand why he isn't, because in today's day and age, you're, he's a man, they're women, they make it look as though they're kind of aggrieved and victims. And I think that's probably why he's been uh, quite uh, soft. You tweeted the other day they should lance the, he should lance the boils. Yeah, that's what I said in my tweet, and I believe that, because I think when they're sitting on the inside, you wouldn't believe how many emails I've gotten today from ministers and members, women, who are absolutely PO'd that these two women uh, are trying to create a, a, a scenario of um, him being anti-women. It's just so ridiculous. 
I, I don't know I that they're trying to create that or that that's where the narrative has gone. And I thought, and yeah. wrongly so, I believe that's a distraction as well. Yes, but somebody got up, uh, somebody got up, I think it was the Liberal who, re- who resigned, the third one with him. She said, oh, well, women are different because they speak the truth. Like, mm. what's that supposed to mean? So men are all liars? Yeah, but then the narrative as well that, you know, Phil Pot resigned possibly in connection because her and Jody Wilson-Raybould were friends. That's that's kind of like high school high school well, shenanigans. High school. That's a bunch she of bull, too. Jody Wilson-Raybould's home fielding media calls the night that Jody Wilson-Raybould mm-hmm. resigned. She was the one fielding the media calls. Yeah. So let me ask you the $64 million well, question. Bit, I mean, I don't... I, that was a statement made by a TV reporter who yeah. called the house. Yeah. I just... Jody wilson and it was I, Jane Philpott who picked up the phone. I think you'd have she to be... She also tweeted that night um, her everlasting support for her friend and colleague. Yeah. And if you notice, when she resigned, she didn't have much to say about the fact that the Prime Minister had actually given her an opportunity, which uh, she said it was a wonderful opportunity and she was working on all these policies, but thank neither the prime minister nor her own staff. You know, I have to mention again, a, a president of the United States got elected on Twitter. I mean, the, the, how you do how you do politics has changed, and I know it seems... Yeah, it has, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, there's sure. another way of reaching out to a new I think, demographic. I think there's two things. There's kind of the social media frenzies, and then there's also public policy. Yes. Public policy is still as it always was. Nobody gets everything they want, and if you want to be successful as a politician... You have to understand that if you get 70% of what you're seeking, you're doing quite well. We so asked I you. Think that's the piece that I think Jody Wilson Raybould, and, I, and I, did, I do write a column for Bill Times, and I, wrote, and I wrote a column when I asked the question Do you think that if there were 9,000 Indigenous jobs involved, that Jody Wilson Raybould would have refused to um, heed the advice of the Prime Minister that those jobs should be mitigated? You know what, uh, Ms. Cops, we're pretty much out of time. Before we let you go, I did ask you what do you think the, the Prime Minister should do next. What do you think is going to happen next? I think they're going to try and get more people out because they've all been kind of quiet. I think part of the thing, like I said, being nicey-nicey, I think they've got to be a little bit stronger with their messaging because Jody Wilson-Raybould, and the thing that surprised me with, uh, with um, uh, the, the, um, health, the former health minister... Philpot, she obviously must have been planning this for a while because she was at her house tonight. The other one resigned. So what's going on? What's their end game? And I think people have got to start asking those questions. Former Deputy Prime Minister Sheila Copps joining us this afternoon on the 6:30 Chad Afternoon News. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, thanks for calling the 6:30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross weekdays at two on 6:30 Chad.